All right, once again, I want to thank everybody for joining us here today for the Progressive Care Shareholder Call for here in 2021, the month of November. Uh, let me go ahead and start this call by letting the speakers know everybody has been taken off of mute. But before we get the call started, let me read the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking statements. Now, statements contained here in this call that are not based upon current or historical fact are forward-looking in nature and constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Such forward-looking statements reflect the company's expectations about its future operating results, performance, and opportunities that involve substantial risk and uncertainties. When used herein, the words anticipate, believe, estimate, upcoming, plan, target, intend, and expect in similar expressions as they relate to progressive care, its subsidiaries, or its management are intended to identify such forward-looking statements. Now, these forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to the company and are subject to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause the company's actual results, performance, prospects, and opportunities to differ materially from those expressed in or implied by these forward-looking statements. The statement I just read is available in every press release from the company using the ticker symbol on the OTCQB. The ticker symbol is RXMD. With that, I will open the call to Chairman and CEO Alan J. Weisberg, who will also introduce the rest of the team on the call. Jay, the call is yours. Good afternoon. Thank you, Stuart. And welcome to the earnings conference call for the quarter ended September 30th, 2021. I am Alan J. Weisberg, Chief Executive Officer and Chairman of the Board of Progressive Care, Inc. Joining me today are our Chief Financial Officer, Cecile Munich, Bruta Norte, our Chief Operating Officer, and our Director of Administrative Services, Robert Bidwell. Uh, First, in my own words, I would like to remind everyone what we do. Progressive Care is a health service organization driven by its unique approach to value-based managed care, 340B program management, and testing related to COVID-19. I, I want to add, when we were first approached by the wholesaler that we could get covid analyzers if we bought 1900 tests management had to make a decision we had to decide if we were going to take the risk of buying 1900 tests after careful consideration by the executive team we believed it would offer us an opportunity to create a new business service since nobody was offering rapid PCR test at that time. That decision has turned out to be a great decision for the company, which you will find out when Baruta speaks and which are reflected in our financial statements. We have performed in excess of 6,000 rapid COVID tests at this time and almost $3 million in revenue. So as business leaders, we have to make decisions that sometimes seem to be risky but add to the company's uh, future. Progressive Care 
by utilizing our data analysis team and data management tools, we provide a comprehensive overview of the patient's status, including gaps in therapy, adverse reactions, and other conditions that may affect patients' health and enable physicians and managed care organizations to earn performance-related bonuses by way of reaching highest ratings set by Medicare Advantage plans and payers. Therefore, to minimize the risk of losing these ratings, it becomes in the best interest of physicians and managed care organizations to send all or most of their patients' medications to our pharmacies as preferred providers of pharmaceuticals. Our same-day delivery have quickly become an essential part of the service provided by the, by the physicians to their patients. And our company's Medicare Adherence Package Solution, SmartPack, continuously makes a difference in the chronic disease management and has consistently led to physicians gaining new patients. Additionally, our company's clinic-trained medic medication therapy management team has proved to be the necessary elements in reducing the risk of patients failing Medicare adherence. All of these solutions create extremely sticky relationships with the healthcare organizations we service and build solid relationships with physicians, giving the company an opportunity to draw more prescriptions and grow along their side. Our personalized service approach allows prescribers to delegate much of their Medicare, medication adherence management workload to our pharmacy staff while maintaining multiple ways of communication, including our newly launched online web chat, which directly connects medical offices with our entire team. Our success lies with the consistency and the quality of our service and our expertise of our staff. We drive sales by going above and beyond traditional healthcare. We know the complexity of today's healthcare and use that knowledge to provide solutions to providers so they can focus on practicing medicine and providing healthcare services to their patients, we manage their prescription of medications. That's the reason in 2019, we created a data-driven business called ClearMetrics, expanding its TPA business with a strong focus on increasing SAAS capabilities. It is a very exciting part of our business. A healthcare technology company that provides reporting, administrative, and clinical data analysis services. Today, ClearMetrics is a fast-growing provider of third-party administrative services to 340B covered entities. And we are in the final stages of, of developing its 340B platform. That will enable the company to deliver these services nationwide. Yes, nationwide. 
We are looking forward to the launch and are working diligently on the development process. We are continually growing the technology capabilities within our health ecosystem by expanding our workforce and increasing strategic partnerships. We are extremely proud of our development team who successfully overcame a double transition of our pharmacy software. We know our team of developers and data management are key for our future success. That's why we are constantly trying to find new talent to grow our team and support the constant optimization of our internal workforce. This includes anything from better finding better ways to synchronize medications in order to deliver costs to finding better ways to, re to meet the reporting needs of our customers. We believe data insights are a great commodity and every single prescriber organization should be taking advantage of it. Finally, I would like to give a lot of credit to our team for being able to build Progressive Care as a major provider of rapid COVID-19 testing, generating almost 3 million in less than 12 months. The company's management team successfully executed on establishing itself as a trusted and reliable provider of testing services for international travelers, as well as major production companies such as Viacom, Netflix, Universal Music, and their affiliates, some of the most recognized names in the entertainment industry. Unfortunately, we cannot predict the future of this virus, but we will continue to build ourselves as a dependable destination for rapid testing solutions, expanding into in the near future into other diseases, such as STD, testing for various allergies, women's health, and more. I hope this gives you, our listeners, a good understanding of the business we are in. Now I would like to begin discussing our third quarter performance. The third quarter of 2021 was a transitional period for us. We continue to hold our own in our core business with stable prescription count numbers. We also continue to add new contracts for our 340B pharmacy business and third-party administrative services. Our financial statements reflect these conditions as we reported a profitable third quarter and our financial position has shown improvement. Finally, we have made significant progress in our effort to become an SEC reporting company and gain entry to a national stock exchange. We open our call today with our Chief Operating Office, Baruta, who will discuss some of the operations during the third quarter and year to date. Thank you, Jay. Our core pharmacy business continues to recover through the third quarter of 2021. Our pharmacy counts have gradually increased in our South Florida and Treasure Coast regions. Counts in our Central Florida region are struggling to recover from the losses, 
that we suffered earlier this year due to consolidation and relocation of pharmacy locations, the inefficiencies created by pharmacy software implementation issues that we encountered in our first and second quarters, and challenges in the labor market created by the pandemic. These issues led to worsened customer service conditions, such as delivery delays. We believe that this is a major reason for a downturn in our pharmacy count, which led to decreased pharmacy revenues quarter over quarter. We previously communicated to you the challenges and difficulties in implementing the pharmacy software, which proved impossible to adapt to our business environment. We are now fully operational with our original pharmacy software, RX30, that has enhancements that allowed us to restart our growth in a number of prescriptions filled and begin onboarding of new customers. We are confident we will continue to see a turnaround in our script numbers and we project significantly higher script counts during the remaining of the year and into next year. We continue to modify our labor needs to match the demand in our operating regions. We experienced workforce disruptions from employee absences due to care for sick family members or issues with childcare or remote schooling that prevented our employees from working full-time hours. We also experienced cost pressures from our other operating costs. As our same and next day prescription deliveries continue to be one of our key differentiators from our competitors, we are incurring increased costs in delivery, notably fuel. Operational areas that continue to excel are our 340B pharmacy services and third-party administration services, as well as COVID-19 testing services. Our 340B business has been going strong as we added five new contracts for PharmCorrect 340B pharmacy services and third-party administrative services performed for 340B covered entities by our subsidiary, ClearMetrics. We provide rapid detection testing for patients at our North Miami Beach, Hollandale Beach, Palm Springs, and Orlando locations. Our testing sites are equipped with analyzers capable of detecting positive or negative COVID-19 results within minutes. Each site is operated by clinically trained pharmacy staff and administering tests on or off site. The company has established a reputation of a reliable testing partner and currently provides testing services to international travelers and international airlines, chain restaurants, U.S. and international production and entertainment companies, and local health care communities. Our system allows a patient, employer, or coordinator in charge to schedule a test, pay for the test, and access test results with minimal effort. We are now a recognized leader for these testing systems in Florida, and we will strive to maintain this competitive edge as country continues to emerge from pandemic crisis. We believe the need for testing will continue throughout 2022 as travel restrictions requiring vaccination and COVID testing remain. Back to you, Jay. Thank you, Baruta. 
Let's continue with the summary of our quarterly financial report, which provides you with our financial position as of September 30th, 2021. Our results of operations and changes in stockholders' equity for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2021, and our cash flows for the nine months ended September 30th, 2021. The financial statements in the report were reviewed by our independent public accounting firm, Daskal Bolton. Please be sure to review our financial report, which is available both on the OTC Markets website as well as our website. Cecile, our CFO, will walk us through the financial results. Thank you, Jay. Good afternoon. We are proud to report that we had a profitable third quarter of 2021. After removing significant non-cash items, such as gains associated with fair value adjustments to our derivative instruments, we exceeded expectations by achieving positive EBITDA of nearly $695,000 for third quarter of 2021 and nearly $767,000 for the nine months ended September 30th, 2021. This was compared to EBITDA of $295,000 and negative EBITDA of $745,000 respectively for the same period in 2020. Our cash position was over 2.1 million on September 30th, 2021, and we expect our cash position will remain around $2 million throughout the remainder of the year. Our third quarter 2021 revenue, net of PBM fees, was $9.8 million, which was a slight increase over our, over our second quarter 2021 revenue. COVID testing and 340B revenue continue to be the leading contributors to profitability during the quarter. For the years today, 2021, we recognized overall revenue from operations of approximately $29 million, which was a $228,000 year-over-year increase when compared to the same period in 2020. The increase is mainly due to an increase in 340B fees earned of approximately $200,000 COVID-19 testing revenue of approximately $2.9 million and a decrease in DIR and other PBM fees of approximately $500,000. This was offset by a decrease in pharmacy and other revenues of $3.3 million. As Bruce mentioned in her comments, we have again expanded the number of contracts for 340B pharmacy dispensing, and third-party administration, or TPA services. The TPA services are provided through our Clearmetric subsidiary. Total revenues for the nine months ended September 30, 2021, included approximately $2.1 million of fees earned on providing TPA services and dispensing prescription medications to patients under 340B programs mainly managed by nonprofit healthcare organizations in Florida. Gross profit margins increased from 22% to 
for the nine months ended September 30th, 2020 to 27% for the same period in 2021 and was positively impacted by fees earned on 340B contracts and COVID-19 testing, which have higher profit margins. The loss from operations decreased by approximately $600,000 for the nine months ended September 30th, 2021, when compared to the same period in 2020, as a result of improved gross margin as discussed above. We earned over $2.9 million in revenue from COVID-19 testing for over 18,000 customers at our pharmacies year to date. We project that our testing services will remain at or above our present levels as travel restrictions are lifted and many popular travel destinations now require proof of testing or vaccinations for travelers. We project that our 2021 annual revenue will exceed $3 million from this source, assuming there will be no significant disruptions in testing supplies. The company continues to provide COVID-19 vaccinations at our pharmacy locations, as well as administering vaccines at locations, such as long-term care facilities, clinics, community centers, and vaccination events carried out in partnership with various community organizations. We are also playing an imperative role in helping to educate patients and the residents of our surrounding communities on the safety, importance and value of vaccinations that protect against COVID-19. We also recognize non-operating and non-recurring gains on debt extinguishment that resulted from payment forgiveness of one of our PPP loans from the federal government and a debt principal adjustment by our convertible note holder. That completes my remarks on the financial results for the third quarter of 2021. Back to you, Jay. Thank you, Cecile. I will discuss our organizational efforts relating to our effort to uplift to a national stock exchange. As most of you know, to carry out an uplifting, the company must have an investment banker to act as an underwriter to execute on a capital raise to meet capital requirements of a national stock exchange. The company must become a fully reporting company with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, and the company must meet regulatory requirements. We are happy to report that we have engaged a new investment banker, the Benchmark Company. Also, as of October 11th, we publicly filed a registration statement on Form S-1 with the SEC. We are actively engaged with NASDAQ about our uplist application. As we continue to move forward, we need to execute on several more parts to conclude our planned uplist including a recapitalization of the shares of the company to meet the minimum price per share for NASDAQ entrance requirement, strengthen our board of directors by adding another independent member, complete our NASDAQ uplist application for submission, and simultaneously raise capital. 
To accomplish all this, the company must take advantage of immediate opportunities and goals that we have set for ourselves. As part of the uplift process, the the board will ask our shareholders to vote in favor of the company's proposals listed in a shareholder meeting proxy notice that has been sent to our shareholders. Here are the company's upcoming anticipated events that will allow us to successfully carry out our business plan. Special shareholder meeting on December 3rd, 2021. Uh, Effectiveness of form S1 by the SEC application and approval to trade on a national stock exchange. The first of these events will be a special shareholder meeting in which we will ask you to vote affirmatively on matters that are crucial to the success of our business plan and that we believe will enhance shareholder value. The voting matters are as follows. One, shareholder approval for our board's determination to authorize and carry out a reverse stock split, which is with a range of one to 10 to one to 250. This is necessary to meet the minimum listing requirement on NASDAQ. Shareholder approval for a change in the authorized shares of common stock of the company from 1 billion shares to 100 million shares. We have sent out a shareholder meeting and proxy notice for our meeting scheduled on December 3rd and more information about these matters. The board encourages you to approve both of these matters and ask you to submit your vote via the instructions and the proxy notice, regardless of the size of your shareholdings. Second, we have informed you in past communications. We have filed a registration statement on Form S-1 with the Security and Exchange Commission. Here is some information for those of you that are not familiar with the SEC registration process. We had previously filed the Form S-1 under a confidential filing status, which meant the registration statement was filed without public disclosure. The confidential treatment status allowed us to work with the SEC staff in completing the registration statement without providing commercial, financial, or other sensitive information to the public that might harm the company's competitive advantage or jeopardize our business strategy and commercialization efforts. As a result of filing the registration statement, management to the company must observe a quiet period where certain communications cannot occur prior to or after the filing of the registration statement with the SEC becoming effective. You can review a copy of the Form 1 on the SEC website. As part of the registration process, the SEC staff 
review the registration statement, and provide comments in the form of questions and suggested changes to the registration statement. We respond to those comments and revise the registration statement on the form of an amendment S1. The SEC staff reviews the amended form S1, and if the changes are acceptable and all items in the registration statement are properly disclosed, then the SEC staff will declare the registration statement effective. This means that we will become a fully reporting public company and we will submit future annual and quarterly financial reports to the SEC in addition to other required reports. These two events must take place before we can apply with the National Stock Exchange to allow our stock to be listed on that exchange. There are several benefits of listing on a National Stock Exchange. A National Stock Exchange trading session is efficient in providing various trade and post-trade information to investors who can easily look up the top buy and sell orders on the trading system, along with total number of securities available for a transaction. It also helps investors to gauge the market's depth. The volume of trading activities in a national exchange helps to lower the impact cost on it, which decreases the expenses of trading for investors. Additionally, an exchange's automated trading system helps to maintain transparency and consistency with an investor. The pace at which orders are processed on a national exchange helps investors obtain the best price. Finally, listed companies can receive more information, trade statistics each month to help track the performance of companies listed on the exchange. A company applying to list on a national stock exchange must meet the entrance requirements for that exchange. First, the company must be a fully reporting public company. Thus, a success in obtaining an effective registration with the SEC is crucial. Second, our stock must trade at a minimum bid price. Our recent bid prices are not sufficient to meet the minimum bid requirements Thus, we must undertake other actions to allow our bid price to increase to the minimum requirement, one of which is through a reverse stock split at a range sufficient enough to meet the entrance requirements. So our shareholder approval of the reverse stock split is crucial to the success of our business plan. The reverse stock split proposal submitted to shareholders for approval is in a range as we cannot predict any future increases or decreases in the bid price for our stock. Third, we must increase our shareholder equity in order to meet the minimum requirements for entrance on our national stock exchange. Our shareholders' equity on September 21st is not at a level 
to meet this requirement. As you recall from future financial statements, our shareholder equity was previously negative. With the recent profits we have had, we now have positive shareholder equity. Although our shareholder equity has increased, it still is not at a level high enough to meet the minimum requirements on a stock exchange. We anticipate increasing our shareholder equity to required level through an initial public offering, equity capital raise, information for which will be contained in the prospectus section of the Form 1 Form S-1 registration statement once it is complete and made effective. In closing, we have always prided ourselves in being transparent and informative to our shareholder and prospective investors so they are provided with all they need to make informed investment decisions. Please be assured that we believe the plans outlined in this letter will provide enhanced value to our loyal shareholders. We ask you to do your part in this plan by voting affirmatively for the matters on the upcoming proxy and to take part in the special shareholder meeting. We believe that our year-to-year -year performance and activities will allow us to finish the year strong. Again, I find it important to communicate our company's vision. The healthier we make our patients, the more successful our business will be, and we will not lose sight of that vision. With the goal of enhancing and creating more value for our shareholders, I have no doubt in my mind that our investments in technology and talent or provide the type of value the company and its shareholders deserve. That concludes our remarks for the earnings call. We'd like to turn now to questions that we received in advance of the earning call. Our Director of Administrative Services, Bob Bidwell, will review the questions that we received prior to our meeting today and pro provide responses. Bob. Thank you, Jay. We received these questions prior to Friday's deadline for submission of questions, and so we will respond to each question as appropriate. So the first question we received from shareholders was the following. Has Benchmark officially raised the $10 million in capital? The answer to that is, is, is a short no. Um, each of the efforts that were outlined in Jay's comments will need to be completed, at which time a capital raise is possible. Second question, what is your target share price before enacting a reverse split? Again, this is going to be based off of the entrance requirements that, uh, that Jay discussed, the NASDAQ entrance requirements. We expect at a minimum uh, that we need would need to reach a $5 trading price in order to meet those entrance requirements. The third question we received is simply any merger news. We're constantly looking at things that will benefit the company and provide value to our shareholders. In the past, we've been approached as a target in addition to approaching, approaching targets. In terms of those approaches as us being a target, 
we did not get beyond preliminary talks with those companies as the valuation that was used in the offer, we believe was not appropriate for our company. So if it does happen, we'll discuss it with you and we'll bring it to the board for approval. If it's an event that would lead to a change in control, we would uh, then need to come to our shareholders for approval for, for, for that such, such uh, transactions that would lead to a change in control. Fourth question, how do you plan to expand without dilution? Well, as we've explained in the past, our present access to capital is generally in the form of debt that comes with dilution. Um, we're looking to complete the uplist to NASDAQ so we can raise capital with much better terms. And at that time, we will pursue our plans for expansion. Number five question, when do you plan on pulling in profits? Well, this is uh, somewhat of a, of a tricky question because profitability can be measured in many different forms. The best way to answer this question is to refer to the criteria that management uses in making operating decisions and um, developing our future plans. And management uses criteria other than net income or net loss for making those operating decisions and making our future plans. So those items include income or loss from operations, cash flow from operations, and EBITDA. So by those measures, we had a profitable third quarter. Number six, when do we anticipate NASDAQ uplist? We're working very hard to get all of what Jay outlined in his comments, to get that all completed by February of 2022. We need to get shareholder approval of the reverse split. So it's very important to respond to those proxy requests and, and submit your votes in favor of that reverse split. We need to obtain SEC registration statement effectiveness. And then we need to get NASDAQ's approval of our application for entrance into NASDAQ's exchange. But some of this is outside of our control, things such as raising capital, NASDAQ approval. So we're still working to get to those points where we can, uh, we can finalize our business plan and complete our uplist, uplist to NASDAQ. Number seven, how much of the Chicago Ventures Iliad debt do you plan to pay off? The principal balance of June 30th, 2021 was about $1.7 million, and then an additional accrued interest of about $712,000. In the um, F1, we identified that any capital that we raise the net proceeds, we would use about 12.5% of those net proceeds. And the question indicates that that 12.5% of our net proceeds only represents about 50% of our outstanding debt. What is being used to cover the rest before March of 2022 when the Iliad debt matures? Our answer to that question is, is that part of the debt payoff will come from the planned capital raise. So again, as identified in the Form S-1, we anticipate we'll be using about 12.5% of the proceeds or about a million dollars. Along with that, we're negotiating with Iliad uh, Research for an agreement 
that will lock them up. What that means is we would not we would ask them to not make any conversions for a minimum of at least six months. And then we're also working towards changing the debt terms with Iliad research into a non-convertible note. Question number eight, have there been any new revenues attributed to clear metrics? We've outlined in Cecile's comments the revenues attributable to clear metrics. We encourage you to review the MDNA section in our quarterly financial report for more information about clear metrics. As the changes in revenue that were attributable to clear metrics, we've added several contracts as well as we've terminated one major non-performing contract. So those changes equate to the changes in revenue attributable to clear metrics. Question number nine, have there been any recent 340B institution additions or deletions? What we interpreted uh, that means is have there been any new contracts added uh, during um, you know, the year? And we have since added three new contracts that will be coming on and, and, and uh, during the remainder of the year, 2021, as well as in January of 2022. Next question, number 10, how is MyVax intended to create revenues? All right, MyVax has proven to be a great tool to complement our COVID-19 testing and vaccination programs. The platform is now fully integrated to our website, farmcorx.com, and it allows patients to get full access to their medical records in a convenient way, featuring QR code capabilities for verification. The platform also provides a data integration I'm with the Florida Department of Health that automatically reports testing information meeting the state's requirements for contact tracing. Future plans for the MyVax platform include enabling our telemedicine module within that platform to enhance the flow of information between patients, prescribers, and our pharmacies. We also plan to enable the medication therapy management module within the platform, which provides a complete overview of the patient's prescriptions and will be a great addition to our services for value-based care prescribers. The 11 questions submitted to us was the following. What will our business look like in the next three years going forward as a result of management's plan to grow and or change our services? We want to take our present disruptive services and provide them nationwide. We would also would like to operate more profitably in our existing services by working directly with third-party payers and not have so much of a reliance on pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs, as they're typically referred to. Final question. Will you need to revise the S-1? due to Oleg Ferrer's employment status change with Net Element, And does the company need to add Q3 financial statements in any future amended uh, S1 filings? The answer to the first part of the question is no. As the second part of the question, we will continue to add current financial information to the Form S1 as it's warranted. That's the conclusion of the questions and our responses. Back to you, Jay. 
Thank you, Bob. That's all the questions we have for today. We believe that we have provided you with important information about our Q3 financial results and our progress towards completing our business plan. We thank you for taking the time to join us on this call and for submitting your questions to us. We hope that you have a great remainder of the year and look forward to talking to you again in March during our next earnings conference call and in December in the special shareholders meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. All right, everybody, that concludes our call today. Thank you so much for joining us.